Tonight on First to the Floor, Dan Greenberg, you know him best as Greeny from Barstool Sports, joins us to break down the Celtics' gritty win in Toronto and much, much more. It's going to be first to the floor here, and it was Marcus Smart as he usually is. That's not the first time we've seen a superstar in green and white sacrifice the body. Spoonie here with uh, my man, Jake Eisenberg, to break down that Raptors game. Jake, how you doing? Feeling good, mate. Still riding high off that third quarter. Absolutely. And we got a special guest. You know him. You probably follow him, especially if you know who we are. Dan Gre- Greenberg, a.k.a. Greeny from Barstool Sports. Greeny, how's it going, my man? Listen, I'm I'm with him. I am. I could not be riding. I'm. Whatever cloud nine is, I'm like three <laughs> above cloud nine. Like 18, I'm yeah. Not- how could you not be? I know, dude. I even Scal said it was his favorite win of the season. And then we had the struggle bus last three minutes. He almost jinxed us, but they pulled it out. So before we get into the Raptors game, which I know we're all itching to talk about, Greeny, real quick, you've got some news. Something happened on Barstool Sports. I went to the website the other oh, day. Yeah. <laughs> and then all of a sudden I see your name plastered yeah. at the top. What's going on, man? To be honest, it's uh, in typical Barstool fashion. I had no idea what that even was, that it was going to be a thing. Uh, when I learned, essentially, as it has been explained to me, is if any person watching this or you know reading, whatever, remembers the old initial pre-merger Barstool, it was all super local, super yeah. city-based. It's how I came up, you know, being the, the Celts guy. It's how a lot of people get started there as, as being a team or local sports blogger. But now that they're so huge and they're a media conglomerate, they were looking for a way to still find that, you know, local tie-in that wouldn't just get lost in the main feed of the blog. So they decided that's where that's where my Celts game blogs will live. You'll see some Bruins game blogs up there from uh, from Marina, who does a great job with them. Just other local, and the way it's been explained is like new bloggers, new local team sports bloggers. That's where they'll live. So I had no idea what was happening when I learned of it. I begged them to call it something different because it is just so weird. It's your like, name. It is. It's. Just, it's very barstool of how it was introduced, but uh, but I'm pumped, I guess. You know, I, I would have been fine just having my stuff be on the main feed uh, like it always was. But if this is something they want to try, I'm obviously pumped for it. And if it allows me to go out and maybe find other, you know, sports bloggers or people that want to live this dream. I mean, literally, that's all I did was just write about the Celtics and try to build my voice in that space. So you know, the blog is so big and there's so much that goes up every day. You can get lost, you know, if you're uh, sure. you know, not a main person. So we'll see how it goes. But I am trying to convince them to call it something else because it, <laughs> makes, it just makes me wildly uncomfortable uh, that, that that's what it's called. So, Well, dude, congratulations, because yeah, when you go awesome. on the site, it says Barstool I and know. then in huge it's letters great. next to it. It says Greeny. I know. And, it's and very, so, dude, it's cool, but it, it makes me wildly <laughs> uncomfortable. I don't know. All right. And now, now I'm talking about that. Well, yeah, it's Although just I, like Tatum being asked about the MVP last night and him talking about how it's surreal. You know, same same exactly. levels right there. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. MVP and, and tap on the left. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, all right. The Celtics beat the Raptors 116-110 coming off a 
back-to-back, their third game in four. Al Horford was out. Obviously, Mm -hmm. Rob Williams was out, and obviously, Danilo Gallinari was out. It was a gutsy win from the Celtics. So let's go around, guys. What is your big main takeaway from this game greeny I'll, I'll throw it to you first yeah um for me it was it was probably two things the first is you know <clears throat> we or i'm someone who wants i don't mind when the celtics have to play a tough game right when they yeah. aren't killing everyone by 20 or they're falling into bad habits because i do think it's every season it's important that you can establish you have that mental toughness you're, you're gonna you know, be able to overcome adversity when things aren't going your way. And I think it was very obvious to anyone who watched that game, based on how that first half went, it was not, you know, a cakewalk. And anytime they play the Miamis, the Torontos, these teams that are physical, that have length, like I want to see how this team responds. So the mental toughness and, and their ability to, you know, put aside all the garbage and just play the right way when they had to. That was huge. Two, it is really a reminder of how much of a tier above everybody else they really are. Because you're without Rob, of course, but you're without Al, you're without Brogdon, you had a bad whistle, and it took like six minutes of the third quarter for them to establish themselves. (laughs) Like, okay, like now we're ready to play. So for me, it was a good sign of their mental toughness and their ability to play through adversity. But also it was a reminder of like, listen, we're dealing with a wagon. And yeah. every, every <laughs> the, the statistics back it up, the record backs it up. And even just when you watch them play, like when they lock in and they really, you know, step on a team's throat, it is just no, it's an 8-0 run before you even know, yep. you know, what happened. So yeah, the um, the third quarter last night, but like they just had no business being in this game or winning this game. Like third game in four nights, back to back, going through customs in Toronto. They don't get in, you know, until like three, four in the morning. And Toronto is not the team that you want to see on the back to back. Nick Nurse, yeah. I forget how much I hate him every time until I see him on the <laughs> sideline. And then and then I just get flashbacks of him standing on the court in the bubble, like and Tatum throwing him that that pass. pass and, yeah. And nothing ever happened to him. He's just <laughs> he just got away with it scot free. Um to yeah, the, the the mental toughness, like a lot of the wins that they've had this year that have been really big, like Mavs, the Philly game, Memphis, Denver, like they've kind of just won them easily. Like the Memphis one, we kind of had to sweat out at the end because they blew like that 13 point lead, which is just something they like to do to us. But this was the first one where it felt like they really had to uh, buckle down, grit and grind their way to it. Like Tatum diving on the floor, Jalen diving on the floor, Blake Griffin diving on the floor. Like we hadn't really seen like this level of grit um, to just grind one of like what's supposed to be a top four, top five team in the East to dust. Like, and after you, after you go, Spini, I have like a, a little sequence that I think just sums up what this game was perfectly. Yeah, and I think, Greeny, you kind of touched on what my takeaway is. Last year, I remember at the first half of the season, we kept saying like, this team is not good enough, not talented enough to just turn it on and off like they were trying to do. And then in the second half of the season, eight-man rotation, playing every minute like it's the playoffs, and eventually it ground them down in the playoffs. It's starting to look like this team is good enough this year to turn it on and off when they need to. I'm reminded of the Oklahoma City fourth quarter where it was like, wow, OKC is kind of like taking it to us a little bit. And then it's like switch to flip, dominate the fourth quarter, 
and Kings go ahead well. and get the win. Yeah, the Kings game as well. And really kind of the Brooklyn game too. Mm. Uh, and so I'll throw it to you first, Jake, but who is your standout performance in this game? Who do you want to give the gold star to? <laughs> I want to say Blake. Yeah. I want to say Blake. Four and oh as a starter. Yeah. Okay, well, whatever. Let's just go Blake because, <laughs> yeah, you know, well, he played 32 minutes last night. Whoever came up with the Blake role is a genius, whether it was He's Brad. 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 Yeah, it was Brad. It has to be Brad, yeah. right? So Brad's just a wizard. Again, like, okay, so you're not going to play garbage time. You're going to start every time Al is out on back-to-backs, which is obviously the plan going in. So, you, like, mm. you get full buy-in from a guy like Blake in this role, um, which helps Peyton Pritchard buy into his role as well, by the way. Um, so then you get Blake turning into, like, this gritty glue guy who's just diving on the floor, getting defensive rebounds. Every time the he got a defensive rebound, the bench was up on their feet yeah. cheering. <laughs> like, the, the elite vibes that Blake is bringing to the team, and, like, that's what you needed. He was kind of like the tip of the spear when it came to, like, you know, locking in and, and grinding it out because it's like if you see Blake Griffin, who's 34, who – kind of doesn't have knees. Um, he's the one diving on the floor and, and yeah. hustling play after play. Um, and then taking it's Marcus. Charges. Yeah, taking charges. Like, I want to check the charge numbers because like he's got to be leading per 36 easy because he's getting yeah, one every I think time. He's like, I think he's probably – I think Kevin Love probably still yeah. owns like yeah. the overall. But he's – him and Derek White, I think, are well in the top five uh, in charges, John. Yeah, yeah, I think for me it's Blake. I think, yeah, he kind of sparked that, that feeling. Yeah. yeah. Greeny. So the real answers are Jason Tatum yeah. and Jalen Brown. Right? Yeah. I mean, right. But I feel like that's just like you pencil that in no matter what. Right. For me, it's Marcus Smart. I mean, just in the in the contrast of the, you know, the game before against Brooklyn, where he's not in and the offense looks stagnant. They only had, I think, like a 102 or 103 offensive rating. There was so much ISO ball. He comes back even though he only had seven assists only, right? Like it wasn't right. a clean lead, but just things felt more normal, right? The ball, they had 27 assists on 43 baskets. He is doing such a great job of establishing paint touches and driving kicks, setting up open threes. Defensively, he was like Blake. He's diving on the floor. He's, he's giving you all those stereotypical Marcus Smart things. For me, it was just so obvious why this team needs a player like him and what his skill set provides because they just looked like the normal wagon that we've grown accustomed to to start the year. And I think even though their defense was lights out against Brooklyn, it was a slog offensively. It was every bad habit that we know gets this team into trouble. So for him to come back, his foot looked good, his his quickness looked good, and, and he just it felt like even without Brogdon, who's another main facilitator off the bench, that just the way they were playing was back to normal. And I think that starts with how smart plays. And real quick on Marcus smart, that third quarter is when the Celtics took over the game. The the, uh, Raptors went into halftime with a six point lead. They had gotten Mm -hmm. it up to 13 in that second quarter smart in the third quarter played Every minute, eight points, four assists, plus yeah. 17, along with Tatum, who is also a plus 17 for 17 points. Uh, not bad. But yeah, you guys said, I'm, l- let me, I'm just going to shout out two things about the Jays as my standout performance. One, I thought Tatum was hustling like crazy. Dude was everywhere on the glass. You could tell 
he did not want to lose this game. He was diving for balls. He was yep. jumping into the crowd. He was everywhere defensively. And Jalen Brown's passing, we're going to have to start to really talk about that, man. But he's like yep. hitting Luke Cornette on the pick and roll for dunks and stuff. Like, who is this guy, man? He had eight assists, 22 Zero points. turnovers. No turnovers. Back to back. So back, to back. Yeah, so he's had 15 assists and five turnovers. And I think the problem, not really problem, but like what's tough with Jalen is like he gets compared to Tatum. And like right. that's it's, not fair because, no. you know, it's okay to be a 27-point-per-game All-NBA number two option. Like, it's not bad. <laughs> not everybody on the Celtics has to be a generational talent. So. Right. I feel for him in that regard because it's like, oh, man, how come, like, his assist to turnovers are still one-to-one? And, like, Tatum's doing it. He's improving as a passer. And it's like, listen, for what his <laughs> role is, if he's going to give you eight assists and zero turnovers, like, just take that as the, the bonus. Like, that's not who he's going to be. That's not what they're asking him to be. But he's showing that he has the capability to do it on any given night. And I think that's just as important. Yeah, and I think like we, you know, we all have kind of different be- best performances of the night. I think that kind of speaks to how good the team is. Like you can kind of yeah. go up and down the roster. I feel like the whole the whole team played really well last night, and I have this sequence here that I think encapsulates it perfectly. We get Fred Van Vliet deciding to ISO on D White, takes a mid range pull up, perfect contest. Yep. Marcus pushes the pace. What a rebound, Jesus! Yes. I know. And you see the bench off the Blake rebound. Everybody's up. We get a nice Missoula ball, drive and kick. Jalen into the paint, draws two or three. Marcus gets to it first. Backdoor cut to Jalen. Dunk. Exactly. That, that caps the 13 to three run. Timeout. Bench loves it. Toronto gets a bucket off the timeout. Toronto plays really good defense on this play. Snuffs out the Tatum cut. Bring it back out. Snuffs out the smart post up. There's seven seconds left on the shot clock. And Tatum's like, I got the seven footer on me. Step back. Three. Cash. It's like. Um, what are you supposed to do ball game with this team so so to me that illustrates the exact like in that first clip I think there was probably what two or three smart paint touches on that one possession the the Tatum bailout three is like okay sometimes your hero is just going to pull something (laughs) out and save you but it tells you on the defensive end they have three elite guys that can give you quality perimeter defense to stay with these quick, shifty guards like Fred Van Fleet. And then on the offensive end, everyone's making the extra pass, and it starts with your point guard. It starts with him setting the tone of, you know, we could have seen Smart go coast-to-coast on that play and force a layup and probably not make it. But instead, what does he do? He draws the defense, he's patient, he finds the right play at the right moment, and they score from it. So I'm with you. Those are That sort of, you know, demonstrates not just Missoula ball, but the benefit of having all your core pieces on this roster yeah. be together for five, six years, like that, that chemistry with Jalen, they're not even thinking about it. Yeah. It's just, he knows where he expects the ball. And Jalen knows that if he cuts in that moment, smart's going to find him. It's literally the dynasty warriors with Draymond yes. finding yeah. step exactly where he needs the ball coming off a screen. It's finding clay coming off a cut. Like, you only get that by having that sustained continuity, which is why they should have never blown it up. And now look what happened. Yeah, it's Smart's averaging two and a half assists to each J for five yeah. assists a game, which is just an incredible number. So Dang. the one 
dark spot in that second half. 13 point game, Celtics up, we're cruising, <laughs> three minutes left. Scal utters the phrase, This is my favorite win of the season. And the Raptors on cue go on a 6 0 run to cut it and make it a game and pinch all of our collective sphincters as Celtics fans. So, what do you what what do you credit the, that Raptors run to? Was it the Raps just coming alive, tired legs on the back to back, or um, is it pure scal jinx? <laughs> I mean, the first, I mean, the Raptors are good, right? So yes. I, I tweeted out as soon as that fourth quarter started. Like in every Raptors game, I feel not just against the Celtics, but in every one they play, they're always within this like six to eight point range, and there's always a fourth quarter run. Just based on how aggressive Siakam is, you can get some Gary Trent threes. So I want to give them credit of like, listen, they were playing well, especially at home. You know, they they were, you know, they weren't mailing it in once the Celtics went on that run. So right. you knew it was coming. I attribute it probably like 35% to the scalgings. <laughs> I heard it and I was like, what? I'm like doing the scoreboard math. I'm like, wait a minute. Like, this this is, we're not, we're not clear yet. And really, there's only two things that Scal does that bothers me. Is One is that he always loves to call the games early. And two, any sort of mind yes. injury or slip up, his reactions make me think that someone just like blew out his – like the Luke Cornette. Like when the he, leg like, fell he, off. Yeah. I thought he blew out his knee. And it's yeah. just like – I'm not like, someone, oh no. Oh yeah. no. It's like just relax, Scal, please. You know, I'm someone I love Scal on the broadcast. Yeah, yeah. yeah me too. Pro Scal guy. But it's like when Smart went down, when Jalen falls, it's like he needs to realize that, like, I'm watching this on TV. There was the play, <laughs> it was a play where like Smart went up for a rebound. It was an ESPN game, I think. And uh they cut away from it. It was like a dual broadcast, mm-hmm. ESPN, NBC yep. Boston. And I was I was somewhere that was watching it on had the ESPN feed. So there was that play where Smart like it looked like his head smashed on the ground, but the camera cut away from it. And then when I rewatched it the next day on the NBC broadcast, you hear Scal talking like Marcus just died. And yeah. so, Get the stretcher. <laughs> so that was tough. But I think mostly it was it was just the Raptors. Like, listen, you knew they had a punch in them. You knew that the Celtics were going to have to execute down the stretch. And when they started going for those home run threes, as soon as Kyle said that, it did not surprise me in the least that the, the Raptors went on a quick 6-0 run. So we have another co-host called Joe, and um, he has a magic number formula for like when the games are getting towards the end and when you're safe. And I personally hate it because he never feels like the magic number um, is right, but it, it's been right every time. It's, it's always minutes right. Re- minutes remaining times two plus two. And it's only ever been wrong once, I believe. The problem is it gets down to like the razor edge of it flipping the other way a lot. And I, and I like, hold on, explain, explain this to me. So if it's a, so start over, I'm, you got to explain it to me like I'm five. (laughs) Um, Well, look, I'm not the math guy. So maybe Spoonie's got to jump in, but oh no. so so it's like, if there's three minutes remaining, it's three Mm -hmm. minutes times two plus two. Yeah, so, so which makes eight it points. Is, so you would feel like comfortable that no, yes, no, right. No, the other team has to play perfectly from okay. that point forward to win. And the Raptors started that out with those three minutes left, basically playing perfectly. 
Okay. So that's why it gets tight and then scary. So that's the magic number. But it is right basically all of the time. Interesting. Um, okay. Well, yeah, I'm not, nice. hopefully. Well, I should say I would want to see that tomorrow, but I'm hoping that there is not a stressful yeah. against the sun. So maybe not. Uh, that would be nice. That would be nice. I, I'm not super hopeful, but um, I, this is just an NBA problem. It's not, it's in, in general, like teams get up 10 plus with like three minutes to go and they just try and bleed the clock and you get terrible possessions out of it. So you're not scoring. And then the other team's playing super aggressively and getting up quick shots. And you're in, you're in like a mindset of, I don't have anything to lose. You know, we kind of saw it with Jalen hitting that bank shot, which is, you know, kind of luck. But when you, when you're confident, they got very lucky with those turnovers in the final two minutes of that game. Yeah, right. like the OG and Anobi just catch yeah, on the side. Yeah. OG, yeah. Uh, I don't know if it was Van Vliet or something. There were like two or three turnovers in yeah. those final Van two Vliet had a wide open three when it was yes. like five points too that yeah. he clanged, but that goes in, you know, who knows what happens there. Right. And actually that kind of brings me to the next thing I want to talk about. So the last four games, right? I think we that was the two Heat games, the Nets game, and now this Raptors game. I think it's safe to say it's been a little sloppy, right? I mean... These have not been clean games. For whatever reason, the Nets play way harder. I've watched some Nets games. They do not play defense like that against other teams. <laughs> Kyrie's like diving into the crowd. Like that's yeah. the one time all year he'll do it. So we still have the seventh best offense in the last four games up to the 10th best deep 10th best defense in those four games. But like a little bit sloppy turnovers, saw some of the bad habits return like greeny are you worried at all or do you think it's just kind of a blip a function um, of who we're playing i don't know if it's worried but it's it's something especially the turnovers just because i view the nba as a copycat league right and i think to defend the celtics the book is sort of out where you need to get in their airspace you need to make them uncomfortable and when they drive everybody comes from the wing to try to poke it loose or, you know, try to be that distraction. I don't think it's an accident that Brooklyn did it. Miami did it twice. And then we saw it again last night against Toronto. Those are teams that have length. They're teams that clearly follow the same defensive blueprint. And those are four games that we probably saw the Celtics. I think on the season, they have like a 13 and a half or 13.7 turnover percentage. I bet you if you were to look it up over those four games, they're probably closer to like 16 or 17 percent turnover percentage. And it it basically reminds you of the finals and the yes. Eastern Conference finals. Like the teams that defended the Celtics that way have all had the same result. You may not win the game, you know, because obviously there's so much firepower to counteract it. But I do not consider it an accident that Jalen's turnovers were high. Tatum's turnovers were high. And each of those teams had the same get in their airspace, be physical with them off ball. I don't, I think we're going to see that for the rest of basically their time together because it's been proven effective. Yeah. Well, this is probably a good time to ask you how you're managing your, your PTCD, your post-traumatic Celtics disorder. Uh-huh. Um, but because <laughs> Not great <laughs> at times. Not great. Yeah, yeah because you, you, you're, you're, you know, I think you do an awesome job of writing the line of like obsessive compulsive fan and analyst and like these turnovers, especially the heat game and the, and the Nets game, like Tatum had nine turnovers. Like you can't not help, but have like physical, you know, reactions to what's happening out there. And like, 
it makes me think, I'm like, okay, they've been so good turnover wise. And it's a really good point. You know, the teams that, you know, they have played in the playoffs, um, not that, this, not that the Nets turned them over super effectively in that first round, but um, the book kind of being out on mm. how you kind of go at them. Um, it's me worrying, is the, is the turnover, you know, progression, the development, are we going to turn back into a pumpkin here? Like I'm kind of just waiting for yeah. that to relapse. And then there's that plus. The other thing that gives me the most PTCD is Tatum miss layups, which is basically a turnover as well. Cause he, the last he was much better yesterday with finishing at the rim. Um, but the Nets game, it, you know, he, it's just, it's just not even hitting the rim. It's bouncing off the backboard and they're, they're basically at half court before he even starts to get up. How are we managing that? Do we think it's a little blip? And by the time we get to the playoffs, is it going to be okay? I mean, it's interesting because, you know, even against the Heat, we saw Brogdon have the same type of, like, yep. it's every, like they just lose their brain. And exactly. They just forget how to play basketball. It's the most bizarre thing. And I think what, what gives me the PTSD isn't just the fact that they're turning it over. It's that they're live ball turnovers. Yes. Yeah. Like, if they were passing the ball out of bounds or they were traveling or stepping on the sideline – like, that's tough, but at least you can get back and set your defense. It's the live ball issues where it's just like, play smart. Like, we're watching Tatum throw bounce passes in a zone that's, like, not even close to getting through any heat defender. And it's just like, just don't lose your mind. You you don't have to be <laughs> perfect, but they just, for whatever reason, forget how to play basketball whenever you get up in their airspace. But those are things I think you can teach on film. And I think... You know, we'll see. Phoenix is a great defensive team. Mikel yeah. Bridges is a great on-ball defender. So I'm interested to see, like, okay, now you're playing a team that when you look at their offense, their defense, their net rating, their point differential, they're just as dominant as you've been through this point of the season. So now on the road, like, all right, let's see, because you know they're going to have that same defensive approach. Yeah, and the Warriors, if you think that they're not going to show up for for that one and ramp right back up for that yeah mentally preparing myself for for that one yeah i I think the last three teams we played too they throw a lot of like junk defenses at you Mm. where you can't run your man stuff and they switch a ton and basically the way to attack a switch right is to get tatum onto a big uh or somebody he can attack but that in and of itself halts the offense halts the ball movement and kind of plays into their hands where they can set the defense, watch Tatum isolate, and then attack his dribble. And that's like the Heat and the Raptors calling card. And I thought Brooklyn did a pretty good job of trying to emulate that as well when we played them. So that you're right, Greeny. That's what we're going to see. We're going to see teams hacking the hell out of us too, like the Heat do, and just daring the rest, like foul everybody out because that's your only choice. Otherwise, we're just going to be taking wrists and arms all game long. And I don't know, I could be just making this up, but (laughs) I do feel like when we see whether it's Tatum attacking the switch or maybe when he's coming off like a a high screen, whenever he tries to do a spin or even just his initial drive, I feel like the ball is so Mm. far away from his body that it just invites extra defenders into the lane. With Jalen, his turnovers are like, He's showing the defender the ball before he makes his move. But with Tatum, I feel like when he comes out of that spin, his arm is like fully extended, dribble his right arm or whatever has arm has the ball. It's just not very tight. And I think when we see 
like when Marcus or when Brogdon, when they're driving to the rim, you don't really see them get it swiped around or poked loose because I feel like they're driving with the ball much tighter to their body. For whatever reason, Tatum has such a crazy wingspan that I, I just think it opens up his you know vulnerability to have an extra hand in there or for guys to come over and foul him or take it, you know, knock it loose just because of how he dribbles. Well, yeah, you kind of see it on the inverse with KD, right? Because the exactly. Celtics are able to kind of do what people do to Tatum to KD. And maybe it is that, like, the six foot ten, yeah. super long arms dribbling thing. It's just harder to do on Giannis because if you get within, like, six inches of him, you just, like, fly back into the stanchion. Right, you get yeah. an elbow. Right? Yeah. He's an entirely – you have to defend him not for, like – you're going to poke the ball loose, but just to try to, you know, absorb like the Derrick Henry <laughs> survive, yeah. tackle him in the A gap. Yeah. I, I think it's a function of just how tall these dudes are, man. Like you're six foot nine and you're dribbling the ball. That's a long way for it to go. And I'd, I'd like to see the numbers on this and I have no idea how to get them, but I'd like to see Tatum's success attacking bigs on a switch versus point mm-hmm. guards, because I feel like guys like Fred Van Vliet, uh, kind of mm. give him trouble where they can get into his handle and muck it up. And like Lowry too uses his strength and just is annoying. Um, and whereas he, if he's got a big on him, he's so comfortable getting into the step back or just blowing right by him. So I mean, maybe we can do that because if you yeah. remember in the finals, it was Gary Payton Jr. Yeah. It was Draymond Green. It was, you know, these guys who are, you know, quick, got good hands. They're tough. They got good lateral quickness. They're smart defenders. When it's Tatum up against a big, it's like, all right, I know I'm bigger, faster, stronger than you. Like, you're not going to steal the ball from me. But it's these quick guards that really understand how to get into your space that give him fits. Yeah, in the game, in game three, when they were getting Looney out on the perimeter, him and Jalen just took turns blowing by him. And they were like, okay, yeah, we're going to switch that <laughs> Like up. Against Brooklyn, whenever he would go up against Nick Claxton, he like yeah, that's, 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 a, that's such an unfair matchup. It's, <laughs> it's just not, you know. The whole Brooklyn it, matchup is just not fair for them. It's just like Seth Curry got to play like four minutes because Tatum was just like, they yeah. played well. well. I mean, they just like, have a that's just a that's just a roster build issue. Like even yeah. with oh, yeah. Ben Simmons back, like okay, oh, no, no. you put Simmons on one of them, like okay, great. Like who else is going to stop Smart or Brogdon or Jalen? Like they just don't have Brand. the the roster construction to to deal with that. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So all right, uh, moving on here a little bit, Greeny. If anyone follows you, they know. From day one, the second this guy stepped on the court for the Celtics, you have been a Marcus Smart believer and defender. That's true. I do it every day. He is every day. You are attacking the haters and the losers, of which there are many about Marcus Smart. He's top 10 in assists in the league, career best assist to turnover ratio, career best true shooting, effective field goal percentage, field goal percentage, and assist percentage back to his elite defense. So I just want to give you the floor for a minute and address how good it feels to have Marcus Smart just show you exactly what we all thought he could be. Yeah, so I'd say it's probably like a top five achievement of my life. (laughs) And I'm not even remotely joking. Like, I do think it's important, though, to understand, like, I'm not the only one who thinks this. There's there's plenty of us out there. I just think it's very important. You know, I've been blessed to have this, you know, platform and this audience. And I think it's so prevalent for whether it's, 
you know, the national media, you got 98.5. Like there's so much out there from people with large audiences that speak to a certain narrative. It's just very important that we tell the truth of what (laughs) happens. Like we're still hearing people say, oh, you know, Marcus doesn't know his role. He shoots too much. It's like, these are arguments that haven't been accurate in like five years. So I just think it's very important that we tell the story of what he's actually doing on the floor. Yeah. It just so happens that what he's actually doing follows my agenda. And I just <laughs> think I just don't think it's an accident that at the same time he was given the keys and empowered by Brad to be the playmaking point guard that we knew he was, that we're seeing the best version of this team. Now 85% of that has to do with the development of Tatum and Brown. I don't think yeah. anyone would debate that. But they do not reach their ceiling if they don't get this version of Marcus Smart. They didn't break through and make a finals until they got this version of Marcus Smart. So for him to now come back and, and back up what we saw over the last five months last season tells you not only is he accepting his role, not only is he – you know, uh, a leader and, you know, the heart and soul, all that stuff that you can't quantify. There's now tangible evidence that supports this claim. So it's like, if you're still, if you're someone that is having a Marcus Smart debate in 2022, it's just because it's a stick for you or you're unwilling to accept that you were wrong about the player. That doesn't mean he's perfect. That doesn't mean he's the same level as Tatum and Brown. But he is part of a big three, and they do not reach their potential, and they will not win the NBA Finals without this version of Marcus Smart. I don't think I don't understand how anyone could debate it. Oh, just that's the officer's speech you know, right there. Hours, <laughs> if you want, it's like <laughs> from his shot selection to you know now he's a forty percent three point shooter. It's just like every if you could you could bring in the biggest the biggest Marcus Smart hater on the planet. If you told them to close their eyes and tell you, what do you want Marcus Smart to do on the basketball court? How do you want it to look? They would be describing what he's currently doing. And those (laughs) same people will still, and it's just like he wins defensive player of the year. And the first thing that people do is say, oh, well, he wasn't even really the DPOY. It was really like, you. it's okay to give him credit and acknowledge (laughs) what he's doing on the floor. It doesn't hurt. It's just like, just be normal about him. I don't (laughs) And why people just can't be normal with it. And can I just say something about the DPOY conversation? It's one thing if you're like, I thought Draymond should have got it. I thought Bam should have got it. But to sit there and just act like Marcus Smart wasn't at least one of the reasonable choices for the award is crazy. I mean, it's Marcus Smart erasure and I won't have it happen. (laughs) It's just, it's the, what bothers me about it is like the people who make that claim Again, as you guys can tell, there's a lot that bothers me about this. Yeah, I love it so much. (laughs) The thing that bothers me about it is the people who say stuff like that don't really understand what makes the Celtics good in the first place. The reason the Celtics defense is elite isn't because they have Marcus Smart. It isn't because they have Robert Williams. It's how all the pieces work together as a unit that makes them the best defense in the league. The same way offensively, the Celtics aren't good because they only have Jason Tatum or they only have Jalen Brown. It's how all the pieces work together that make them such a threat. 
So you take people are like, oh, how could Smart be the defensive player of the year when they have the 14th ranked defense without Robert Williams? Well, I don't know because it's not it's not boiled. It doesn't boil down to one player, right? The fact that they have a league average defense without Robert Williams should tell you, hey, Smart's probably pretty a pretty important piece to the formula. So I just it just bothers me when people make claims like that. But they, if you were then to ask them, okay, so when the Celtics have a good defensive game this year, whether Smart's playing or not, Rob's not in there. So right. the same logic that they want to use to discredit Smart's defense because Rob isn't playing, well, then how are they able to have a game where they play good defense if Rob is still not playing? It just doesn't make sense. And it exposes them of like, they just have this blind hatred that I just cannot understand. It's the blind hatred. They, they, they established their position five years ago and they refused to move off right. their position. Cause I think it's like five years ago, there were a couple of criticisms that were fair, but now oh. he's, pr- he's playing his role absolutely perfectly. And it's like, it's not a coincidence that as soon as Brad takes over, he's like, I'm done with these small point guards who, by the way, aren't, you know, pure point guard playmakers either. Kemba and Kyrie are score first point guards and their assists come off their scoring gravity. As soon as Brad takes over, he's like, I know Marcus Smart can be the point guard of this team. I'm empowering to be the point, the, the point guard of this team. And it's not surprising. I've been saying it the whole time. He's going to continue to get better and better. Like as he got better and better throughout the season last year, once the Jays trusted that Marcus is going to make the right play and, and be the right point guard for this team. I'm not surprised that he's career best and everything again, because it's the second year of his career that he's been playing the point guard role. Like he's really like just finding himself and growing into this role and having the car keys for a second year like you know he's just he, he was on his learner's license last year he just got the keys you know he's, he's as an L's and now second year he's gone doing road trips he's taking the buddies with him people are drinking <laughs> in the back this is a high level driver that's being entrusted with all sets of car keys I think the problem is you know people think if like if Marcus Smart takes a single shot in a fourth quarter he's like the devil. And yeah. I just, yeah. what to his benefit and sometimes to his be, to his detriment, he's not he's a player who is not afraid of the moment. Right. He doesn't care about his percentages. Like we saw it a lot, you know, in the everyone always talks about game seven against Miami, right? He almost shot, oh, he almost shot them out of game seven. Okay, whatever. But if you remember in that game one of the finals. When he came back in with two minutes and 40-something seconds left with the score, the same it was in that game seven, right around eight to ten points with under a minute left, two minutes left, he took and made those exact same fourth, late fourth quarter threes. Like, you just have to understand that if he's open, your offense needs him to yep. take that shot. I don't so, understand how people can't understand that he's like you know remember all of the big clutch shots that he's made throughout his Celtics career like seeing him make those shots in the first half against Raptors reminded me of game two against the Raptors in the bubble like he has big playoff games where he knocks down multiple threes the the conference finals with the IT year he had what was he seven for nine from three in like game two like he yeah it's it's the inverse of a Ben Simmons or like even a PJ well that's the thing it's a a domino effect right exactly you are someone that wants Tatum and Brown to be aggressive, to live in the paint, to get to the rim. Well, a huge component of that is to have offensive gravity around them. 
So if if Smart is just not going to shoot and is just not going to be a threat, defense. <coughs> excuse me, defenses are going <laughs> to going to sag off of him, right? So it doesn't mean that he has to shoot the three every time because as long as teams are going to start respecting his three point shot, he'll be able to attack that closeout, get a paint touch, and drive and kick. But if teams know that he's not going to be a threat on the perimeter, then they're not going to attack his closeouts. They're not going to give space for Tatum and Brown to dribble and penetrate. So it's like, again, people who complain about it just feel like they're watching, but they're not, it, but they're not understanding what they're watching. And that's just how they just expose themselves. That's really all there is to it. They, they don't know ball. And like, you can look at the way that he's defended um, versus someone like PJ Tucker. Like it's a perfect, you know, you have someone like PJ Tucker out there, unless he's willing to take eight threes, then he may as well be taking zero because if he's going to hesitate on wide open corner threes with like a, a half contest, then he's, he's a massive detriment to the office versus, versus Marcus. He's taking wide open catch and three, shoot threes without hesitation. And there's been enough teams and enough playoff games that have experienced Marcus Smart hitting big shots that they watch how other teams and the best teams in the league defend Marcus Smart. Yes, they sag off him a little bit, but he will make you, he will punish you. Even if you give him that, that bit of space, he'll hit you with a pump fake and drive and make a play. Um, it just goes you know, you, you know, it doesn't matter what he does. People, they either yeah. want to, they, they, they willingly forget it or like they want to attribute the success to other, like he could hit a game winning shot and it would be like, oh, well, you know, the, the real play was the pass that got on the ball. It's like, it's okay to say that he did something good the yeah. same way it's okay to say he did something bad. And I think that's what I, and I, I never want to be someone that only talks about the good that he does because there are going to be moments where he makes a mistake. He has a bad turnover or he takes a bad shot. He's human. He's, yeah. There is no perfect NBA player. What I just can't stand is the people who just try to pretend like half of his game doesn't even exist. I just, I refuse to allow it to happen. Well, and having how many guys in the league are straight up pure point guards averaging almost eight assists a game can make an open three. I mean, there's a reason Matisse Thybul doesn't play, right? It's because exactly what we're describing here. He won't shoot. He can't shoot. Teams are playing five on four on defense because they just ignore him. And then on the other side of the ball can switch one through five legitimately. Like teams do not try to post up their center against Marcus Smart. Like, how many of those that's there's like LeBron, I guess Giannis. Giannis can't make an open three either, you know. Drew Holiday, maybe. Like there's a very, very small number of guys who can do the variety of things on both ends that Marcus Smart can. And I think like unless you're watching him every day, maybe you don't quite appreciate that. But the reason the Celtics can switch one through five in the way they do is because Rob is super versatile, mm-hmm. Al is super versatile, and Marcus Smart is super versatile. And it's almost like people give Al and Rob all this credit and leave smart out. Well, what's crazy is his versatility isn't just on what he guards, but it's right. how he initiates offense, right? Right. How good does this offense look when he's operating out of the post, right? We've yeah. seen we've seen in Missoula ball his post up frequency go up. I think he's averaging like 7 post ups a game or his frequency went from like 4% to 7%. To seven, yeah. It's an automatic two points whether he's going to find someone as a cutter <laughs> or he's going to back you down and then lean over and turn with his right shoulder and have that little floater, you know, jumper yeah. or whatever you want to call it. So it's like he's putting himself in a position 
for higher efficiency looks if he decides to shoot it. Like Trey Young's not backing anybody. It's really <laughs> I looked it up. The only player <coughs> that averages similar points per possession in post-ups while having a somewhat close frequency, so smarts at seven percent, it's Luca. So smart yeah. is at like 1.61% or points per possession. Luke is at 1.62, but he has a 15% post up. So that's frequency. pretty insane from Luca, but that's crazy yeah. for smart. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> like, you know, he's a big six, six he's yeah. a big dude. Smart, yeah. but it's the same idea where exactly. these guys are are able to facilitate offense out of the post, which you're not seeing Jaw do that. You're not seeing Steph do that. You're not seeing, you know, all these other high you know, assist point guards, they don't have that offensive versatility. That's what makes Smart different, where, like, nobody would say, oh, he's as good a point guard as, you know, Luca or Moran. But it's the fact that he allows Joe to have that versatility with different lineups that truly showcases his value and makes him a unique player. I I have a question. Al, you know, Al, your, your crowning achievement or Celtics fans with the brain's crowning achievement, Marcus Smart, Defensive Player of the Year. Do you think we can get Marcus Smart an all-star spot? Oh, no. Because oh, that, I, would, that would just be I think I'm re- the I'm tears. To do the Defensive Player of the Year. I am ready yeah, I know. to get him into the all-star game. <laughs> okay, so like I, these are the locks I have. Tatum, Brown, Giannis, Donovan Mitchell, Embiid, Siakam, KD. The problem is that, which is seven, seven. that's seven locks. The problem is there's a bunch of these guards that Garland. I actually think that, it, yeah, so Trey, Halliburton, Garland, Kyrie, DeJounte. Oh, but like the thing is, he's better than like, he's playing better than Trey this year. He's played better than Kyrie. Kyrie's having a low key crap year. I know but, it's, I know the fan vote, but. It's not going to matter. Trey's uh, average like, you know, high 20s again. That's all. That's what the all-star. Do I think. On 40, 30 is, shooting. I, I know, but it's not going to matter, dude. People are going to be like 27 and 11 or nine for yeah. Trey. And this guy's averaging 12. And you know, that's how it's going to play out. But Greedy, I respect if you if you listen, take that on. I don't listen, I won't please, doubt I, you. I'm drawing the paperwork up right now. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, it's listen, first. Let me tell you. Let me tell you how crazy I'm ready to get. <laughs> First, we get him. You know, one or two All Star games, right? Yeah. They win a title, so he's got he's got a ring under his belt. Okay. I'm not I'm not ready to give up on the Hall of Fame agenda. Just okay. Yet. All right. I'm fine with oh, that. Yeah. Just laying the groundwork. Yeah. It's it's going to be an uphill battle. I think he has <laughs> probably a one percent chance of doing it. So I look at it like this. We might live in a world where, who knows, maybe he goes back-to-back DPOI. He can't yes. say sure. Oh, yeah. Copy why, couldn't he, why couldn't he follow, like, the Draymond path, right? Like, Draymond has a couple all-star, all-stars to his name. Like, he's not that – his numbers aren't all that crazy. But Steph basically earned him those all-star yes. nods. Why – if Tatum is going to be this – you know, top five, top three player, maybe Smart can sort of ride that wave and ride that coattail, but it'll be tough just because of the fan vote. I mean, I could see him, if someone gets hurt, maybe he would be like voted in as an alternate. But I think the only sliver of hope we have is just that weird year where like the entire Atlanta Hawks roster made the All-Star team like (laughs) two or three or three or four years ago. But 
I don't know. I would love. I would love to see it just for how mad it will make. Oh people. yes, it would be amazing. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. what a day oh, on Twitter yeah. that would be. All right, gentlemen, that was incredible. <laughs> that, that was felt so much very, fun. Very good. So, real quick, got two small things before we get out of here, Greeny. One thing I want to ask you: <laughs> new segment that we probably will never run again. But um, what was dumber? The Nets giving Blake a welcome home video or the rumor about Miami being interested in trading for Grant Williams. It's, it's Miami. Listen, I'm a, <laughs> what is happening I'm a sucker, there? I'm a sucker for a good tribute video. You know, yeah, I think, yeah. you know, I, any, anytime it's just something, I think at this point it's kind of lost. It's, it's lost. There. So now I just find like the humor in it. Yeah. I so there are two fights that I have. I, I love your Ainge yes. Pat the Riley first, fight. The first is you know, you know, defending Marcus Smart. The second is exposing the interest kings that are the Miami Heat. Yeah, <laughs> nothing brings me more joy than whether it's the trade deadline or it's the you know the free agency. There is not a player in the NBA that the Miami Heat are not interested in. But for me. To see a tweet right after they just played that they're going to trade for a restricted free agent from a division rival with nothing even remotely interesting to offer for it. I don't know. I think maybe I didn't read the the report or what. I don't know if it was like said in jest and it just got aggregated. But like. If that was a legitimate thing, there is not a funny storyline in the NBA season. <laughs> I know. And thinking Brad Steven is going to trade a restricted free agent who's a key piece to his team <laughs> to a main rival. Like, none about that made any sense to me. You don't, you don't like the idea of Cody Martin in like a 2026 second? Right. No? Like, what do you <laughs> add? You know, it's be good. So their picks are going to be trash. They're going to yeah. be, you know, in the lower half of the first round. They don't have any unless you're giving them like bam, but then right. the money doesn't match up because nope. Grant only makes four million a year or whatever it is. So like, no matter how you wanted to to try to structure it, just nothing made any lick of sense. So I don't know. I I just can't stand that franchise. I can't stand that fan base. They're all just the worst. Okay, that leads perfectly into the last thing I want to touch uh, touch on with you, Greeny. So we talk a lot about like going at other fan bases, and mm-hmm. on the pod, we Jake and Ben have talked about their least favorite fan bases. For me, it's the Raptors. What's your favorite fan base <laughs> to interact with? That's not the Celtics, because I have one. If you want me to go first, but so do you mean like favorite to like troll? Most- and- no, 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 like the like the one you're like, oh, uh, when we're playing like. this. Yeah, 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 that you actually like. Um, definitely Kings fans. I'm yeah. all listen, I am so in on the beam. It's like, you know, Hell like, yeah. <laughs> and I just I feel for them just because, you know, of all the the struggles they've had. So I'm I love Kings fans. Um, I don't know, what other fan bases do I even hear from? Memphis Jake. fans are cool just yeah. because they're like a, a new, like they'll probably get annoying. Yeah. At some but point, for now. but for now they're in that like that sort of grace period. Um, I'd say those are probably my. I'd say those are probably my top two right Jake, now. Jake, do you have one? Yeah, well, c- because I, I'm like a small, like a like a little member of Thunder and and Pelicans Twitter, just because oh, of. Oh, I love uh, the Pelicans too. Pelicans yeah, yeah. 
Okay. And, and part of it is because of, of Josh Giddy and, and Dyson Daniel. So like I, I'm kind of, you know, I watch a lot of the teams that have Australian players in there. And so like I watch a lot of Thunder and they, they are just, Thunder are a great fan base, or at least on Twitter. They're like just very into the nuts and bolts of the game because they kind of have had to be into, into the intricacies because they haven't been able to be about the wins the last couple of years. Um, and Pelicans fans as well. I think they're kind of similar to the Kings fan. Like that is here for a good time. Yeah. Um, they're, they're super. Yeah, I haven't had super negative stuff. There, there was that like Brandon Ingram, Jason Tatum thing yeah, for weird. a little while. Um, but they've obviously given well, listen, given that you up. Know, like I can respect fighting for your guy. You, you know, you're exactly. wrong. You may yeah. be wrong when you do it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, what are you going to do? Not do that? Yeah, and I, yeah, right. I feel that. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm D- Dyson Daniels and Kitty have me in on Pelicans and Thunder. Fair. I think my fa- I think the funniest collection of NBA fans is Knicks fans. I just love <laughs> Knicks fans because they are they hate their team more yeah. than we do. You know what yeah. I mean? And it just like the on Reddit at least if you go to the Knicks Reddit, it is so funny. They have no hope. They've already are like, can we figure out a way to tank? I I absolutely also, love Knicks that fans. Point, even though it came against the Celts in that double overtime oh, in the man. opener last year, that street video of Bing Bong, yeah. 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 hilarious. Like, I watch that and I just I just love it. It just yeah. that's just passion. You just you can't make that stuff up. So you know, I don't really consider them a like. There's no real Boston New yeah. York rivalry or anything like that. So I'm with you there. I. I I don't mind them as much. No, especially for an Atlantic division team, because the other Atlantic vision, division teams that, you know, the Sixers, the Raptors, the Nets, they're all awful, awful fans. But the Knicks yeah, but are you know all right. What? Like, I'm not even, I don't even pay any mind to Sixers fans anymore. Like, that's know, yeah. Nets fans, that's dead. You yeah. know, it's for me, it's really just like, it's Milwaukee. Bucks and Miami. Like, it's Bucks and Miami for yeah. me. Like, those two, I just, but they would say the same thing about us. So yes, it's not like, and I respect that, you know, on their end. So, you know, but I just, you know, if I have to hear about Chris Middleton one more time, I'm like, <laughs> I don't know. What is he, one for 11 yesterday? Yeah. yeah. Should, oh, man. Would have turned the series. Uh, the Hornets last night. Like, oh, yeah. yeah. What a cakewalk schedule they've had. It makes me. Oh, I know. It's crazy. Like, every game is against the Magic and the Hornets so yeah, far. I looked it up. I looked it up this morning. They've had the 29th easiest schedule yeah. in the league so far. So that's great. That is We've, so lucky. We to have the easiest schedule for the rest of the way. So that, yeah. and we're 20 and five. So that bodes yeah, pretty well. Heard, 25, yeah, pretty that's five. good. <laughs> All right. So we got the uh, next three games coming up and Jake, tell me if I screwed this up. Oh, yeah, yeah. I screwed it up last pod. <laughs> I got Suns, you, Suns, Warriors, Clippers, Greeny. What's our record in the next three? Is that right, Jake? <laughs> Suns Warriors yeah. Clippers Lakers, you got it, man. Yeah. So the the last two is a back to back. I'm pretty sure, right yeah. in LA. Yeah, you got it. I'll, I'll say three and one. I like that, Jake. If you, yeah, sure, I'll go three and one. But if you could choose, because there's four games left, you get to choose two wins. It's clearly the Warriors and the Lakers, right? I would, I would no be doubt. very accepting of a Suns and a Clippers. Yeah, loss. I would say, I would say Warriors, Warriors, and like, I mean, listen, I'm. There's a, I'm just so terrified of Steph Curry. Like I can't Steph even. Curry, of course. Like I don't care that they've been bad. I don't care. Like I'm no. throwing all that out the window. Until until proven otherwise, he keeps me up. Like Giannis doesn't keep me up at night. KD doesn't keep me up at night. I close my eyes and I see Game Four Steph Curry. <laughs> oh, it's been six months already. That's that's probably going to happen for the next I don't know fifty years of my life. I don't. I don't. No, it'll just just until June. 
Yeah. But even still, like oh, yeah, I, still, no. I still think about the 2010 finals. Oh, like, oh, me too. I, these are things that I'm just going to win my life. But like, if they go into Golden State and he and they lock him down and they win convincingly, listen, I'll I'll feel a whole lot better about sort of where they are. But it's tough because like we don't know who's going to get maybe a maintenance day. Like, yeah. so I would say. Barring only factoring in Al resting on that back-to-back with the Lakers, I would hope three and one, but I'm going to caveat it. If you tell me Rob comes back at some point over the next four, I think they're winning all four. I'm I'm just waiting for that that questionable tag. It's coming. I tried hard. I had a personal rule to not take the bait. I I lasted 21 games, but now I have I have Missoula telling me he'll be back before you know it. I'm like, all right. Well, does that mean like in five days and two weeks? Like everyone's saying before Christmas, and it's already almost mid December. So like it has to be any day now. He's coming. He's coming. I'll go with three and one as well. Oh man. I can't hold on. I'm 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 in the slop. I just <laughs> rolling around. All right, that's gonna do it for this one. As always, Greeny, thank you so much for taking the time, jumping on the show. Go if you're listening, go check out the bar stool Greeny tab to get everything <laughs> Boston and other stuff. Apparently, yep. um, so Jake, thanks for coming on. Love your work, man. And that's gonna do it. First of the floor out. Yeah.